0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. says the Apostle Paul, familiar passage, and he says this, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. In agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time you drink this bread and drink, eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the lord's death until he comes again so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the lord in an unworth, unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the lord this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of christ you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we will examine ourselves, we will not be judged by God in this way. Now, I want you to go back one chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which this actually creates the setting for the the chapter we just read. Uh, I I've, I've heard every preacher who's ever done communion preach out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 but I've rarely heard anybody read the preceding chapter and this is what I've been digging into the last weeks verse 16 says when we bless the cup at the Lord's table aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ everybody say sharing anybody know what that Greek word is we've talked about it every week koinonia I heard a few of you say everybody say koinonia We are sharing in the blood of Christ. And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? We're going to hang on that verse right there. But let's pray. Lord, I I ask that you would speak to us through your word tonight. I pray that wisdom and revelation would be released across this room, Lord, that uh, we do this, yes, in remembrance of you, but God, even above and beyond that, There is a koinonia. There is a fellowship that you desire to have with each and every one of us. And I pray not one drop of your blood is wasted. Not one ounce of your sacrifice is wasted, mighty God, but that we would take hold and we would receive of all that you have made available to us. And so I ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and to change our lives in the mighty name. Come on, would you just lift your voice and begin to pray for a great anointing in this place. Lord, I pray that you would anoint everyone within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in a heart that receives what your spirit is speaking. I pray for an anointing to rest upon me that Lord under the revelation of the Holy Spirit I would preach your word with authority as I ought to. And even now I bind the works of the enemy. He who would seek to distract, distort, confuse or uproot the word as it comes forward. Give us liberty in receiving all that you desire to do tonight in the mighty powerful overcoming name of Jesus I pray. And everybody Everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, these couple verses are tremendously powerful. I had you repeat that word koinonia. Everybody say it again, koinonia. I, I grew up with a Koinonia church right around the corner from me. I never knew what the word Koinonia means. And we've been digging into Koinonia for the last number of weeks. This is mind-boggling. I don't know about you, but I was always raised in a tradition where we take of the cup, we take of the bread, and we do it exactly like Jesus said, in remembrance of him. And that's right. That's good. It's, it's incredible for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. However, did you notice that in both of those examples, when we read 1 Corinthians 11, it's the exact words that Jesus shared at the Last Supper, he didn't say, this bread represents my body. Remember what it is. This cup represents my blood. No, he actually said, this is my body, this is my blood. There's something about when we receive this that it's not just a it's not just a symbol. it's not just remembrance, but there is an active ministry engagement. I, I, I'm still looking for ways to, to phrase this. I think you're trekking with me. I shared this with a number of pastors the other day, and the immediate response was, Pastor Jacob. Do you believe in transubstantiation? What are you teaching in your church? And I said, uh, I said, no, I don't believe in transubstantiation. And and I, I touched on this briefly in the first week. The theology of transubstantiation literally believes that Jesus Christ is crucified afresh every time they go through. I mean, it's the Catholics predominantly who believe transubstantiation. Don't let the big words scare you. Everybody say transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. But it's the idea that Jesus is sacrificed... And we receive it literally becomes his body and his blood as we take of the elements we don't believe that and the primary reason is the book of Hebrews talks about how if we crucify the Son of God afresh there remains no sacrifice for sins Jesus died once he suffered once and it was enough it was enough so I don't believe it's transubstantiation, but I also don't believe it's only a symbol or only remembrance. Now, where it falls in between that, uh, you can help me figure that out. But I believe there is real power... There is real transformation that is able to happen as we rightly receive the Lord's Supper. And so in the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with a, a couple of words. Koinonia means three things. It means union. Everybody say union. This is the exact phrase that is used when koinonia very often is used in terms of marriage in the New Testament. And how many understand, I have a ring, and it's a symbol of my marriage, but I have actual union with my wife. You guys hearing me? There isn't, we don't just have symbols and tokens and remembrances, oh, remember when we got married? Let's look at the pictures again. It's wonderful. But I tell you, I enjoy the union, the koinonia with my wife so much more than I enjoy the pictures and the symbols of my wife. Now, now. What I'm saying here is this passage in 1 Corinthians 10 says when we bless the cup and when we take the bread, there is koinonia, it's union. It's not just a symbol and a remembrance. It's actual union. And so I believe that, and we did this, uh, and, and, and we'll do it again tonight. Every time we receive of the Lord's Supper, I challenge you to expect God to touch you and minister to you in areas that you need. By his stripes, we were healed. There is no reason at all that we shouldn't receive of communion and receive healing in our bodies if we need it. He talked about how he would give us this day our daily bread. That's his financial provision. It's giving him everything we need for life. And there's no reason that even as we take the bread that we shouldn't also be receiving of God's promise to supply for us everything that we need. Are you hearing me? And so so you you can look through. And we you just have to go back and read uh, or you know, listen to the previous messages. I've dealt with the fact that man deliverance was made available through the, the the bread of Jesus. Last week, oh my goodness, was so awesome. We talked about the passing of peace. It was an actual sacrifice that was practiced in the Old Testament, where they would come together. It was the only form of sacrifice, animal sacrifice, where they actually didn't just burn or you know or or cast out, we talked about the scapegoat where they, they pronounce the sin and the curse upon the, the scapegoat and they release it into the wilderness. No, this was a sacrifice that was declaring peace between one another and peace with God. And they would literally pass the bread and they would pr- pass loaves, youth, I need you. I'm going to break up your table if you can't pay attention here, all right, you guys with me? Okay, I need you to stay with me. Don't receive this supper in an unworthy manner. All right, we'll edit that part out of the sermon. So we talked about how we have grace in common. And it's another powerful aspect of the communion. As we share in this, understand it's not just our connection with God but it's also a connection one with another. In fact, we took time last week to hear some testimonies. And I mean, it was just amazing. We hear people talk about how I was gripped by depression. I was heavy in depression. I was, I was under a yoke of bondage. But by the blood of Jesus, by his work, I've been set free. And you know what happens as we hear testimonies like that? I begin to look around and I see other people like, that's my story too. Jesus did that for me. As I hear someone talk about, I got set free from drug addiction, and, and I've been walking free for years now, I begin to look, and I'm like, yeah, that's what Jesus did for me. It's so the one thing that unites all of us is the grace and the love of Jesus. We have been cleansed by His blood. We've been bought by His blood. So you understand, we come from very different backgrounds. We have very different sin histories. We all have different shades of skin color. We all have different amounts in our bank account. But none of that matters when we come to the table of the Lord. We all belong. We all have a place because of what Jesus has done. We have this in common. That's that's one of the meanings of koinonia is what we have in common. But here's the last one and what we're going to deal with tonight is the idea of partnership. Everyone say partnership. Koinonia also means partnership. So when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, we are partnering with the blood of Jesus. When we break the bread of the Lord, we are partnering with the body of Jesus. And so, This is really special because I feel like it kind of marries the previous two ideas. It's the idea of, yes, we are partnered with Jesus. There's union there. But it's also this participation. The only way we're going to do all that God has called us to do is when we come together. When we work and we do together. And so this is a common theme that you'll see in scripture. And guys, I, I actually encourage, you're going to think that this is blasphemy, okay? Uh, my wife, we, we were putting together the worship set and she was running a couple things by me. And, and she asked me, should we sing uh, nothing but the blood? What can wash away my sins? But, and I told her, I don't want to do that tonight. Why? We have received communion our entire lives knowing that this is remembrance. Have we ever received the Lord's Supper expecting that we can have encounters through receiving the Lord's Supper? I actually don't want us, I mean we will. It is impossible to do what we're going to do in sharing the breaking of bread and the receiving of the cup. It's impossible to do that without thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus. However, I don't want you to think about the past tense ministry of Jesus. I want you to think about what Jesus is doing today, right now. You understand, he's not crucified any longer. He's not dead any longer. He's alive. He is living and he's active and he's moving and ministering even in our midst. In fact, so, so there's, there's three things that we see in what Jesus did in the instituting of the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to pull just some ideas. I'm not going to read a lot of verses, but all of this, just so you know, is coming out of John 13 and Matthew 26. John 13 and Matthew 26. First of all, number one, we see the ministry of Jesus. We see the ministry of Jesus. In John's account, what happens is, As they're preparing to sit down for the Passover, Jesus begins to go around and wash his disciples' feet. We all know this story, but I want you to understand something very clearly. I'm trying to get us out of boxes and preconceived ideas, okay? Jesus washing the feet of the disciples was not just a sermon illustration, an example of servanthood. I'm going to say that again. Jesus washing his disciples' feet is not just an illustration of what servanthood looks like. Jesus was really, for real, serving his disciples. I know we like to take this and we're, we, we use it as an illustration like, well, let me show you what servanthood looks like, and I'm going to wash your feet, and I don't know if you've ever been a part of a foot-washing ceremony. I'm not even... Forget the personal application for a moment. I want you to think about what Jesus did. I want you to think about the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus was really to serve. He really served his disciples. And he, he did expound on this. In Matthew 20, he says that if you are If you desire to be great, then you must become the servant of all in Matthew 20 and verse 26. But he also said that he did not come to be served, but to serve in Matthew 20 and verse 28. In fact, you know that his heart was truly to serve and not just prove a point. Because within the day, he was betrayed, he was falsely accused, He was beaten and abused and ultimately murdered upon that cross. This was the ultimate form of service. You guys aren't just worth me cleaning your feet. You are worth me being tortured and murdered. This is what Jesus is saying. I love you so much that I want to serve you forever. Now here's what's crazy. Does anybody know? There is a present tense to exactly what we're about to do. What Jesus accomplished was not just a past tense serving. Do you know that Jesus is not just like sitting in heaven, hanging out, like, wow, this is nice worship going on around here, the angels and elders sitting around. You know what Jesus is doing? He's praying for you and he's praying for me. I mean, that's crazy. Jesus is still serving. I think we would do well when we receive of the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus, you didn't just do that 2,000 years ago. Right now, right now, you're serving. You're praying for me and my family. You're praying for our church. In the moments that we're crying out for revival, we're crying out for the return of Jesus, we're crying out for for the multiplication of churches and disciples, understand, Jesus cares about those things too, and he is by the side of his Father praying. He's still serving. That's mind-boggling. Another thing that Jesus is doing, the Bible, did you know, that every time we experience an outbreak of the Holy Ghost, every time someone gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Bible's very clear that the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire is Jesus himself. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. That means, this this is the way I picture this, you, you remember, he, he told his disciples in the upper room, he says uh, he, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in Acts chapter 2, when the outpouring of Pentecost happened, the very first thing that they see and experience is a mighty rushing wind. What do you suppose the breath of God sounds and feels like? Probably like a mighty rushing wind. And I think that's exactly what happens. I think Jesus himself was looking upon the earth and he saw 120 hungry disciples gathered there in his name and he just... And they received the Holy Ghost. And I believe in the moments... Do you understand? When you have received the Holy Ghost... I believe Jesus has given personal attention to you and where you are, and you receive the Holy Ghost. He's still serving you, church. He's still serving you right now. We would do well when we receive the Lord's Supper to remember, it's not just something you did 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, but still today you're serving me. Let me give you one more. He's serving us. He's serving us. He told his disciples before he left. I am going to prepare a place for you. What is Jesus doing? I don't know if he's swinging hammers up there or if he's just bossing angels around. I don't know what this looks like, but I know he is involved in preparing your mansion. He's involved in preparing. Uh, you know, I, I really think that Kim would like this kind of lawn in her in her mansion. I mean, they they know you. I, you know, I, I don't know if he calls us minister and if he'll honor those times. I think I think Paul. I think he would he would really like this kind of siding on his house. I mean, Jesus is involved, guys. This is. Are you getting this? You guys are real quiet tonight. I. He said, because you're sitting at a table, you're not facing me. That's what it is. He's still serving us. Jesus is still ministering to us. He didn't stop 2,000 years ago. And we would do well when we receive the Lord's Supper to know that he is still serving. Now, the second part, and we're about to break bread together, is the idea that you belong here. Everybody say that. You belong here. Look at somebody on on your table and tell them, you belong here. See, after Jesus had finished washing their feet at the Last Supper, they broke bread and this is what Jesus said. This is my body which is given for you. And it's what we share in. And they partook. Something happened when they took the cup. In fact, one of the things that you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 11, if you read, I didn't read the passage tonight, but you can read it on your own time. The Apostle Paul is actually rebuking the Corinthians because they had done a couple things kind of wrong. They didn't allow everybody to receive the Lord's Supper. They only allowed the wealthy to receive the Lord's Supper. They would allow the wealthy to sit at the table. Others were being neglected, and the Apostle Paul was rebuking them. He's like, listen, you guys, this isn't just a table for men. In fact, he says in the same passage, there's no distinction between men and women, between women and men. We're all one in Jesus. And then he says there's no distinction between the wealthy and the poor. You need to give the poor a place at your table. I'm watching the rich get fat, and get drunk. It's literally what he says. While they're over there starving. The message behind the Lord's Supper is that you belong here. This is an incredible equalizer, friend. There's no distinction between the men and the women that are sitting at that table, what their history or background is. We all have a place. Is amazing. It's amazing. So we're going to share in the breaking of bread. Now, we're, we're walking through this, and so I don't want you to take the cup just yet. But what I would like you to do is uh, I want you to take and peel back. In fact, if you want to, you can use the, this communion thing. Uh, or you can use what's at your table. If you'd prefer to use a, a cracker, that's fine. Uh, Whatever you want to do. And just take that and hold it in your hand. And we're going to pray for it in just a minute. Thank you. I did personally go around and as the priest of the house, I blessed even the trays that you're going to be eating from. So it is sanctified. It is set apart for usefulness in God's kingdom. So um, this bread... Jesus' words. And listen, if you're joining us online, uh, hopefully you have communion elements. If not, go get them right now. Get some bread. Set the table. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And I want to encourage you we remember what Jesus did. We remember his sacrifice, what he's purchased and made available. And we have union with that sacrifice. If you need deliverance, if you're believing for God's provision, if you need God to work in your emotion, whatever that need may be, understand Jesus allowed his body to be broken But not only that, it is his body. Not was, not represents. The ministry is active and it's living amongst us. Jesus is still serving us right now. He's praying for us. He's releasing the Holy Spirit to minister to us. He's preparing a place for us. Jesus is still ministering over us now. So Lord, I ask... That you would bless this as we receive it tonight. That as your body was broken, we break this bread. If you need to, break that bread. Break that cracker in your hand. And Lord, as we receive it, I ask you to bless it. And to release virtue, power in us. We want to receive all that you've made available. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take the bread. Now, this is going to mess with you. I'm I'm trying to break you out of your molds, okay? If you walk through the Last Supper, they didn't take the bread and and immediately take the cup. You know what they did? They ate. And after they had eaten, they took the cup. So what I would like you to do, I'm going to teach one more point, but I want you to enjoy that beautiful plate that's in front of you. Eat some cheese and crackers and honey and some, what is that? What do we got here? Grapes and berries and pickles. Oh, this is wonderful. This is all kosher. I don't know if that's true or not. but If you're watching at home, you know, Enjoy some food even while you're sharing. Because Jesus used it. He, he was teaching even while they were doing this. This conversation um, was a moment where, why are we moving around? Okay. You know, I learned something from going to Jesus' image. Uh, you know, he, here's what we need. Uh, ushers. Thank you. They're serving. I was about to rebuke them. Ushers, our our girls are serving us right now. Okay. Thank you, girls. If you need a water, because you're not supposed to drink your your cup, even though that thing wouldn't quench your thirst as it is. Jesus used these moments to teach his disciples. The conversation that they had around the table was while they were breaking bread together is while they were sharing together. Now, I hope that there's moments actually where you need to ask your neighbor, hey, could you pass me some grapes? Uh, you know, I, I want you to help one another because again, this is a picture that uh, we're in this together. We have this in common and we are helping one another, okay? Now, can you, can you also pay attention? Can you pay attention while I'm talking? It's pretty good. Well, don't be distracted, because this, this is the coolest point of all. There is, in the breaking of bread, in the receiving of the cup, a revelation of relationship. There is a revelation of relationship. Everybody say Revelation. Some of you got your mouth full. That's fine. It is a revelation of relationship. There's something that's interesting, and I want you to understand the order of events. They took the bread, Jesus, in the breaking of bread. Now, listen, I've been watching this thing kind of go viral on social media, and I do not like it. If you have shared this, I'm not calling you out. I saw somebody, but it wasn't anybody in our church There's this thing that's been going around that said, Judas ate too. Like it's some great revelation, like wow, Jesus allowed Judas to sit at the table and he allowed him to eat. But I want to make a distinction here because there's something that's very important that happened. You'll notice that when Judas broke bread, it was right in this moment as they were breaking bread together that Jesus begins to say, one of you is going to betray me. In the breaking of bread, he began to reveal the nature of Judas' heart. He began to expose sin in the camp. In fact, one of the things that I think is very important for us to recognize, in fact, uh, I was told that this was a Dr. Morocco teaching. But Dr. Morocco, you'll notice that Satan enters Judas when he breaks and receives the bread in an unworthy manner. You'll remember in 1 Corinthians 11, it warns us about not receiving the bread of the Lord in an unworthy manner. If we dishonor the body of Jesus, we bring judgment upon ourselves. And that's exactly what happened with Judas. We just think, well, Judas ate two. He had a place at the table. Yeah, he did, and he got judged immediately for it. That's freaky. So next time you see someone share, Judas ate (laughs) 2 Don't get it tattooed on you. That's right. Judas ate two. Yeah, Judas got judged because he ate, friend. That's not a good thing. And so, but there's another thing that happened. Now, this is powerful. Because there was another man sitting at that table whom Jesus begins to expose a fault in his heart. After they receive the cup, pay attention, the order is important. After they receive the cup of the Lord, he looks at Peter and he says, you're going to deny me. No, Lord, I would never. No, in fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. Jesus, I would never. But sure enough, we know that he did. And here's what's amazing to me. I want you to understand the difference Judas received the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, and he was judged because of it. Peter, even though Jesus knew Peter was about to blow it big time, Peter was about to deny him. Peter was about to enter into sin, friend. Yet, Peter was allowed to drink of the cup. Come on, in one word, what does the cup represent? The blood. It's the blood of a new covenant. Peter is in covenant. Judas was not. Peter is forgiven and restored. Judas was not. In fact, if you're looking for a new social media post or a new tattoo idea, you should say, Peter drank too. (laughs) That's a better one right there. Peter blew it. And this should be an encouragement to us. Guys, we're here and we're going to share in the juice, the covenant. And Jesus knows the areas that you still struggle. Jesus knows that there may be a moment of weakness you deny him. Jesus knows what your faults and your failures are. And yet, he's still willing to make covenant with you. This is incredible. My God, not only where you brought me from, but you know where I'm going and you know where I'm going to make mistakes down the road. And still, you make covenant with me. You've shed your blood for me. You see, this isn't just something 2,000 years ago. No, right now we are in a living covenant with Jesus. Oh my goodness. Can can I point out one more thing and then we're going to share in the cup together. Oh, this is, this is, this is crazy. You may remember at the end of Luke, Jesus has just been raised from the dead. And if there's, you know, this would have been one of the most exciting times. If I like could be alive at any point in time, other than the return of Jesus, I'm really holding out that I'm going to be alive for the return of Jesus. I think it's going to be the most incredible thing ever. However, if there was any other time in history that I would have wanted to be alive, it would have been in that period of time right after the resurrection. Can you imagine Jesus just like popping into rooms, appearing to people, speaking to them, disappearing. I mean, it was crazy. And people just start with this, like, man, I saw Jesus. I heard he was over here. I heard he's doing this and he just show up. Oh, it's so awesome. Well, One of those occasions at the end of Luke, he is walking on a road with two disciples, but they don't recognize who he is. They're sad. They're broken. They're, they're, they're crying, you know, and, and they're just grieving. And Jesus asks them, they don't know it's Jesus. What's wrong? And well, we're Following this man, his name is Jesus, and they begin to explain to Jesus everything that happened. How he was betrayed, and he was crucified, and, and he was buried. They don't know that he's been risen yet. And Jesus is walking, and he's talking with them. And later they say, oh, we felt our hearts burn even as he was talking with us. But then, in fact, I want to read this to you. Oh, this is amazing. I said there's revelation. Revela- everybody say Revelation. There's revelation in the breaking of bread. There's revelation. Luke 24 in verse 30. Now, just to remember, they've been walking with Jesus. They don't know who he is. They sit down, and look what it says. They sat down to eat. Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. When did they recognize Jesus? Not when he was telling them stories. Not when he was walking with them. They recognized who Jesus was the moment he broke bread and gave it to them. There's revelation in the receiving of the Lord's Supper, friend. This is why I believe there are there are attributes of God himself that the Lord desires to reveal to us, not through the preaching of the word, not through worship, not through prayer, not through serving or godly fellowship, but through the receiving of communion one with another. Guys, I'm convinced, if you weren't here Sunday night, we experienced a real move of the Holy Ghost. God was moving in my heart in a way that I, I've i never had before. I was weeping. I was I was just like, I, I felt like I was feeling and experiencing the very heart of Jesus himself. And even as I began to, I mean, I, if you guys were here, you know, I just like, I was uncontrollably sobbing and crying at times. And there were moments where I even began to share. I'm like... You know, kids, I was telling my wife, like, this is what, in the moment I begin to talk about it, again, I just break. I was like that for hours after the service. It was mind-boggling. Like, what in the world was that? As I have prayed and I have contemplated, you know what I think that was? I think through us receiving regular communion, Jesus is ministering things to me that I've never experienced before. That's really what I think is going on. I'm understanding new perspective of the heart of Jesus. He exposes things in me, but he reveals things about himself in the breaking of bread, in the receiving of the cup. And the last thought I've got, and then we're going to share in the, the cup together. I believe one of the reasons it's so important for us to continue to return to this communion. Right now, all of us have certain preferences in regards to who we like to hear preach, the kind of songs that we like. I mean, I I don't know what you prefer, but I've had people over the years tell me I want to be encouraged at church. I just like being encouraged. I want to feel good at church. And I, you know, I get that. I mean, I want to feel good too. But then I've had other people, man, I'll preach some hellfire brimstone message. and they'll, Man, that was the most awesome thing I ever heard. We need more of that kind of stuff. I like feeling convicted of the Holy Ghost. I like, and I, you guys know what I'm talking about. Let's just do a survey here since we're all kind of in fellowship mode anyway. Uh, how many of you... I really like encouraging preaching. I, okay, two, really? Three? Okay, 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 more hands are going up. How many of you like? Man, I like a hard word from time to time. I like a, wow, more of us, okay. That must be what I do more often, I guess. That's why you come to this church. But, uh, you know, there are people, I, I, like, I like the love passages. I like the love of God. I've been reading Ezekiel this last week. Oh, my goodness, I'm gonna kill them all. I'm gonna kill the women and the children. There's no grace here. They've got—I mean, just the way I'm just like I just tried to picture like what would it be like for Ezekiel sitting there receiving this word? Like that's a hard word to go and preach, man. Some people like that. I don't know. I, 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 I think about it. I, I would have rather been getting like the John messages, right? John, oh, it's so loving. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, let's just snuggle with Jesus. That's the kind of relationship that John the Revelator had. And, and they're both wonderful. But he, why, why am I saying all of this? One thing that brings us all back to the very heart of Jesus is to consider what he did when he was beaten, when he was betrayed, and when he was crucified. This is something that brings us all, whether we prefer love, yeah, he did that because he loved us. He died for us because he loved us. But some of us on the judgment side, you consider, why did he do that? Because there had to be a penalty for sin. Because there's eternal death if there's no punishment for sin, it brings us all to terms. I need the love and the grace of Jesus and he's abolished sin. When I receive of what he has done, it brings us right back to where we need to be. And I think it's so important because I, I don't know about you, but I tend to, to just kind of go and I find myself like I'm listening to hard preaching, hard preaching, hard preaching. And I just start, i start getting hard. And there's other times I man I need some Joel Osteen in my life and so I'm getting nicer and nicer and nicer and next thing you know I don't like talking about sin and I, we need to we need to stay centered on the cross and what Jesus has done oh it's it's the most beautiful combination of his love and his wrath sin and forgiveness oh my goodness that's the covenant he's made with us. And we have the joy of receiving that together tonight. Now, I want you to take that cup. Wow, it looks like a lot of you guys have cleared your plate. Was that good? One of these days we'll we'll do a, a full-on Passover deal. I, I think that'd be fun. You know, this, this has significance. Uh, I know, I know I've got some theologians sitting in the room, and you're like, but technically, Pastor, this was the third cup at Passover. Yeah, it was. It was, it was the third cup, and, uh, and there's significance to all of those cups, but this is the one that he says, I'm making covenant with you. This is my blood. It's the blood of a new covenant. Once for all, Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now again, I want you to consider not not only what he did 2,000 years ago, but I want you to consider the fact that this is a covenant that he's still walking out with us today, right now. If you need forgiveness, in fact, we're going to pray for this. Said for this reason, you should examine yourself. He said, if we would judge ourselves, God would not judge us. So this is a moment for us to judge. Do I need forgiveness? Lord, if I sinned against you, are there things that are separating me from you right now? You still allow me to sit at your table and to receive of your covenant, even as Peter did. And he's willing and able to forgive us and restore us if we would allow him. Mom, Maybe you're watching online, you're sitting here and, and God is bringing things before your remembrance, and you say, "Yeah, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus to wash me. I'm so accustomed to leading us in a, a declaration, but here's, here's what I would rather do. I'm trying to break us out of molds. I want to take the next minute or so, just for you to reflect and if you need forgiveness I want you to deal with it just between you and the Lord right now if you're here sharing at the Lord's Supper that that tells me that you've got a relationship with him already so you should know how to talk to him if you need him to forgive you 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 do that Jesus, I thank you for your incredible sacrifice. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what we do tonight, this is the blood of a new covenant. No longer through the shed blood of animals, but you. Jesus once for all We're the greatest and the only sacrifice that would ever be needed. And so tonight, Lord, we don't just reflect on what you have done. But even tonight we koinonia. We're in union. We have this in common with the people sitting around the table. But Lord, we're partnering with you Because of this covenant, we have a call. You commission us. You're not just sending us alone, but you're with us. Behold, I am with you even to the ends of the age. We're seated with you in heavenly place. This is now. You're with us, Lord. I ask that you'd make this a reality. This is not a 2,000-year-old covenant. This is a today covenant. This is a today promise, a today reality. You are with us. You are in us. And you're partnering with us in all we set our hands to do. Jesus, thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for forgiving our sin. Thank you for the covenant you have cut with us. Bless this cup as we now receive together In Jesus' name, you may take the cup. On the night that they shared the Lord's Supper together... gospels say that the last thing they did together was they sang a song and what I'd like to do can we all just stand across the room right now if you're watching still at home I want you to participate in this as well I want your neighbors to hear I'm not going to have our worship team come uh, and this is the reason why the Bible says that they sang a hymn now uh I don't know any good hymns that we would all know. Um, but I just thought maybe we could sing. In fact, Leah, do you want to lead us in that? Or Yeah. Just give us the single note. We're going to sing it a cappella. And we're going to close together just loving on Jesus for a moment. our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of jesus our affection our devotion poured out on Jesus, our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. thing I'd like to do together I shared last week about how we have peace with God but we have peace one with another and it's this blood that we have in common and I'd like us to join hands with somebody around you just as a sign as an expression of our unity one with another and I just now, this is a little different. But I want you to thank God for his work in that person's life. God, I thank you that you have saved them. I thank you for the gift and the treasure they are. I just want you to bless them that way. So come on, just begin to lift your voice. Take, take a moment to do this now. God, we thank you for the incredible treasure that we have here in this room. We have peace with you. But even now, as we pray one for another, we recognize that you have a beautiful call on each and every one of us. Lord, you've saved us. You've redeemed us. You've made covenant with us. You've set us free. You've forgiven us. You've done so much for us, oh Lord. And we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would continue to fulfill that great call and purpose upon each and every one. Even now, as we bless one another, we just thank you, Lord, for the gift that they are to the kingdom of God, the gift that they are to the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would lift each and every one of us up as we come to terms with who you are and what you've done and what you desire to do in and through each and every one of us. Oh, we love you, Lord, and we love each and every one in this room. Bless us. Walk with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.